0: You think you've got issues? Hi, I'm Dr. Laurie Appel. Welcome to my podcast where we will be talking about a variety of mental health issues because, you know, we've all got issues. Okay, so. So far, we've gone over some basics about parenting, and we've had a guest on to talk about getting our kids to listen and to give us some general information and advice about how to use behavior modification techniques, rewards, and consequences in the right way in order to elicit the kind of behaviors we want to see in our kids. In these next two podcasts, however, I want to talk a little about what I see as the big five problems that parents come to me with. And I'm not talking about diagnosable problems such as ADHD or spectrum disorders and things like that, but more general everyday problems and issues that most, if not all, parents struggle with. These are what do I do when my child lies to me? How can I deal with my child arguing with me and pushing limits? How do I set limits around phone and electronics? What are appropriate consequences for breaking the rules? And what can we do when my partner and I disagree about rules and consequences? Today, I'm going to address the first two of these as they are somewhat interrelated. So first, let's talk about lying. Why do people lie? In my experience, there are three reasons why people lie. To avoid getting in trouble, to enhance one's self-esteem or draw attention to oneself by embellishing things, or to avoid hurting someone's feelings. Now, I would say that avoiding hurting someone's feelings is not the thing that parents come complaining to me about, and it isn't the worst reason to lie. So let's just set that one aside. As for embellishment, that's a problem, but more of a self-esteem problem than a relationship problem between a parent and their child. So for today's podcast, let's stick with lying in order to avoid getting in trouble. Basically, your kid wants to do something or did something and doesn't want to suffer the consequences for it. From what I've seen with the families that I work with, parents unwittingly make two really big mistakes when it comes to lying. The first is that they actually unwittingly set their child up to lie by asking a question. And what I mean by this is that they say, did you use my mascara? Or did you put that hole in the screen window? These things are said, of course, in an angry and disapproving tone, eliciting a knee-jerk reaction from their kid, Who's a little scared? So the kid says, "Uh, No, I didn't. Then the parent, knowing full well that the child did do the deed, starts to present evidence of guilt to their kid, who, even in the face of irrefutable evidence, holds tight to their lie. Now the parent is furious that the kid not only did the act, but then proceeded to lie about it. And the kid is even more afraid of how angry their parent is becoming and just sticks to their story despite the cost. So how can we play this differently? First and foremost, don't ask. If you know your child used your mascara, just state it and present what you'd like them to do in the future. Hey, Mary, I see you used my mascara. In the future, please don't do that. It's not good hygiene to use someone else's eye makeup, and it's also not okay to take it without my permission. Next time, ask, please. Or let's say your kid is not even allowed to use mascara. You can add, I don't think we agree that you could use mascara yet, so let's discuss that and come to an agreement about it so this doesn't happen again. Or let's say in the screen scenario, I see you put a hole in the screen. I'm not sure what you were trying to do, but now it has to be fixed. This Saturday, you and I are going to go to the hardware store, and you can help buy another one and then help me fix it. Now, none of this is said with fury, which just causes fear and escalates the situation. Instead, it is said in a reasonable tone and focuses on the solution. When kids hear that, they don't experience fear, maybe guilt about their behavior. And believe me, guilt is okay because guilt is what stops us from doing wrong things even when no one is around, as opposed to fear, which stops us from doing things when we think we might get caught. And more importantly, they are learning the important lesson of fixing a problem and making amends. If we address the problem head on without a question, then we're not in the position of arguing later about both the behavior and the lie. And think about a time in your life when you've lied and none of us have never told a little lie and then we were confronted with it. There are very few times in my experience that I've heard ones of any age say, You know, you're right. I've been lying all along. I confess. Usually, once we are down the path of a lie, it's just human nature to stick with it. As we get older, we just get more clever about how to justify, excuse, or deflect blame when caught in a lie. All right. So let's get back to our kid. When you set your kid up to lie by asking a question, things can very quickly get out of control. Now you're really furious and feel like you have to punish punish the behavior and also the lie and things can escalate from here both you and your kid getting more angry with each other. So if we avoid the confrontation and instead deal with the problem and find a solution, we are in a better position to teach an important lesson and and also to present reasonable consequences. Because look, kids are going to make mistakes. They're going to test limits. But if we remain calm and reasonable as parents when they're little and the mistakes or the transgressions are easily resolvable, we can use these instances as teachable moments. Then, when they're older and the mistakes have the potential to be really big ones, and they're in serious trouble, they will more likely come to you for guidance and to help them find a reasonable solution. So this brings me to the second big everyday problem of parenting that is in many ways related to the issue of lying. And that is what to do when your kid argues and pushes the limits. As parents, we have all been driven crazy by the kid who needles, negotiates, or outright argues with you over limits and rules. However, interestingly, in the book Nurture Shock by writers and journalists Poe Bronson and Ashley Merriman, they present some really interesting findings that suggest that arguing may not be such a bad thing. First of all, let's go back to the issue of lying, because one of the things that the author studied were the factors that were associated with increased lying among kids. And what they found was that kids who argued with their parents actually lied less often and over fewer subjects. Now, if you associate arguing with disrespect and disrespect with lying, this really doesn't make much sense. Both are seen as a sign of disrespect but let's take a look at it from another angle. If you view negotiating or arguing reasonably as a sign of respect for your authority and an attempt to negotiate rules so that they can be followed, it actually makes perfect sense. They reasoned that kids who don't argue are more likely to simply sneak behind your back, while kids who argue actually want to reach a mutual agreement that they can honestly uphold. So what can we take away from this as parents in terms of how to handle the arguing kid? What I tell parents is rather than shutting down the arguing, maybe shift the focus. Try to move from arguing to reasonable, respectful negotiating. That is, no yelling and demanding, but presenting reasonable points that, as fair authority figures, you will consider. I recall a great technique a mother, a client of mine, used with her child when they disagreed. She simply said to her her kid, state your case, which both respects the child and also opens the door to dialogue and discussion. Now, I remember when my son was a new driver and he wanted to do something that, I don't know, I wasn't quite ready for with the car, maybe driving to a mall or somewhere farther away than I was comfortable with. My husband was leaning toward a yes, but my anxiety was holding me back. Our son kept coming back to the table with even-tempered arguments that he would drive on local roads, that he would text us when he got there, he would be home by such and such hour, et cetera, et cetera. Not once did he raise his voice or tell me I was unreasonable or unfair. He just kept giving me reasonable arguments and ones that assuaged my worry. I also didn't shut him down with a knee-jerk no, but explained that I just worry because he's so new to driving. Now, by the way, in this particular situation, he could have actually easily lied to us and gotten away with it, but I think he really wanted to debate the rule and get our agreement rather than lie. And because he was so mature and reasonable about it, I ultimately conceded. Now, you may think, well, of course, you just give in to everything, and so all kids learn is they just need to wear you down. But I think instead, we were just parents who were open to things. When we stuck with a no, he really did know it was off the table. I don't know, like the time he and his friends wanted to drive to South Carolina from New Jersey and sleep in the car in order to watch the eclipse the next day. Instead, we found a compromise on a park and campground in Pennsylvania. We were just parents who rarely knee-jerk no things. And what I mean by a knee-jerk no is that often parents, out of fear, which I totally understand, will give an immediate no to their kid. So the kids that I see in therapy often tell me when I ask them if they've tried discussing something with a parent, they say, well, why bother? They always say no. And while it's unlikely true that their parents always say no, I do see a lot of parents start with a no. And if you think about it, the no is usually in response to things that will ultimately actually be a yes as they mature, whether it's going to the mall unsupervised or a later bedtime or dating. The knee-jerk no is about our reluctance to let go and our fear. But this just sets kids up to argue or lie. Instead, rather than a no, what I suggest is that parents start with let's work toward that. This sets the stage for a conversation, a potential negotiation, and And a ramping up toward greater freedoms. It allows your kid to have hope of working towards something they want, and it allows you time to get comfortable with increased freedoms. For instance, your kid says she wants to roam the mall with her friends alone. Your mind immediately goes to all the horrible things that could happen to her unsupervised, and you say, absolutely not. Well, you know, eventually she is going to go to the mall unsupervised because it's not likely you're going to be accompanying her to the mall when she's 30. What if instead you said, well, let's work toward that. I'll take you to the mall and I'll hang out on the chairs outside the stores while you and your friends shop. And if you can be responsible about that, we'll take the next step. Over time and in a way that you can digest slowly, you can begin to loosen up on the reins. And your child doesn't have to respond to the no with immature tantrums and screaming matches or by sneaking around and lying to you in order to get their way. The other thing that I point out to parents and the kids that I see is is that if there is no arguing, then probably neither one of you is doing your job because your job as a kid is to move toward greater independence and test the limits, but your job as a parent is to set limits in a way that gradually allows more independence while protecting them as they mature. All right, so that's a lot to think about for today's podcast. Next time, we're going to be talking about appropriate consequences, phone and electronic use and limits, which is a big topic these days, and what to do when you and your partner disagree about things. I also wanted to mention that the things that I chose to discuss in this podcast come from questions that have come up over the decades in my practice. But I'm sure that there are a million other things that parents worry about how to deal with. If you have a question or a topic that you'd like me to discuss, please feel free to leave me a comment on iTunes, and I'll be happy to consider working it into a podcast or even devoting a whole episode to it. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Laurie, and I will see you next podcast. Dr. Laurie Appel is a licensed psychologist in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Her license and practice information is available on her website, laurieappelpsyd.com. All information provided on Dr. Laurie's podcast is solely for educational and informational purposes and is not meant to serve as psychological counseling. If you have personal issues you would like to explore, please contact a licensed mental health professional in your state.